Angie and Carly, two moms with two kids and two different types of cancer, lung and breast. They first met back in 2003 as AmeriCorps Promise Fellows in Boston, Massachusetts as struggling college graduates trying to find their way. Fast forward 16 years later, Angie's in Switzerland and Carly's in London, and they find their friendship reunited by cancer. Join these moms as they navigate through what it takes to heal themselves while raising kids in an expat world. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My bun on. Oh, I like it. You got that pineapple yeah. bun going thing. How do you, what, yeah. what gel do you use to get it like that? I just use aloe vera gel. Just plain aloe vera gel? Yeah. Okay. Do you mix it with water yeah, or yeah. just, um, like, is your hair damp? Is, is your hair damp when you put the gel? No, it's oily right now. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I use coconut oil and olive oil and I'll like slick it and then I'll put the aloe vera gel on top of that. Oh, okay. Let me take notes. Good to know. But I did like a deep conditioner. That's why I have it up. So I've had it on there for like two days where I oiled my scalp. And so I had a little bit of, um, y'all know, I had a little bit of chemotherapy, but it was a microdose. It was the, the genetically targeted fractionated insulin potentiated all that fancy stuff oh, and I started getting a little like thinning so I did this like um intense head like scalp mask or something that's supposed to help with kind of growing those areas back so I just bunned it up I was like let me put that on and let it sit okay okay yeah you, I, that, you see my hair this is a growing I was like bald yes. bald I had my it was a whole family affair I had my because I have um I had a company called the heroin um where I'm uh, you know, natural products for hair and for skin. And it was like tar targeted, oh, nice. like curly haired, um, Afro women, mixed girls and stuff. So, you know, I know quite a lot about like hair and, you know, experimenting with a lot of things. So losing it, my son, I have a five-year-old son and a seven-year-old daughter. They're about to be 16. Oh. And he was like, mom, how can you be the heroine? How can you be a hair expert with no hair? And so <laughs> he helped me like shape, well, he helped me cut it all off. And then my husband shaved it. And then I was like, oh, hey, awesome. ready for this. like a whole process. That was a whole process. So I was bald for like four months. Um, and then I just started letting it grow. And now it's growing all in all white. And I'm I'm 39. <laughs> but you know, yeah, yeah. but it, it grows back like that after you have chemo, though. That's what happens. It grows back white? It, yeah, a lot of times, like when I grew back, it was like a grayish white color. And then like it the color, yeah. Now it's like darker than it's ever been, really. So, you're yeah. Yeah. Nice, you're nice, so Carly. You've got you've all got the nice. stuff. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got yeah. bangs. Yeah. Well, well in <laughs> the no, UK, in the UK, they call it fringe. Yeah, <laughs> oh, fringe. UK, that makes fringe. sense. But you know why I've got that, Ananda? Because I've got my dad's forehead, and he's got this expressive forehead where there's lots of lines. <laughs> so it's definitely from my dad. I know it. <laughs> um, I, um, you you had the benefit of fringe. Your dad did not. <laughs> No, listen, listen to this though the bangs are the fringe you see i don't need botox because i've got this these bangs are fringe going on but right. i did get some when i lost my eyebrows i got them tattooed on yeah you mm. can tattoo your eyebrows on mm -hmm. they never grew back properly actually and the lady that did that she told me that i've got one more wrinkle on this side than i do on that side <laughs> and that is why i've got this expressive forehead <laughs> so instead of carrying on you know, when you go in these nice little clinics and all these little ladies at lunch, they get their things done or what have you. She said, um, you know, you've got that one more wrinkle. And she's like, yeah, you might want to think about getting some injections. And I've not done it. But you know what I've done? I've got the fringe going on. That's yeah. it. The fringe. the fringe won't freeze your whole face. So the fringe is good. <laughs> so but the, the expression, 
I'm keeping it real here, you see. No, <laughs> but all the way real. I have to say, <laughs> like, you look just like you used to look when we used to watch you. On, oh, on thank you. Like, well, I've been through a lot since then, so that's surprising. But you don't look like what you've been through. <laughs> and you actually, so I'd like to get started, you know, officially on this um, show. Thank you so, so much for coming. And this is like, if like my teenage self is screaming right now. Like you told me that like Carly and I would be interviewing you, but then like under the circumstances too, like you told me, okay, right. If you're like, wait, what? Nah, stop. You bugging, <laughs> bugging. <laughs> but life like, does what life does. Yeah, it but does, I'm still, does, yeah, it does. I'm, I mean, I'm yeah. really happy to be here too. When I first heard about um, your podcast and you guys reached out to me, I was like, oh, I have to do that. And you know, it takes a while to figure out sometimes when you're in the middle of treatments and you're busy with this and busy with that. You're like, when am I gonna do it? But I'm super happy we, we made it work. It's really nice to meet you both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had um, cryo abrasion today? Yesterday, yeah. My whole, ugh, I can't show it to you because probably, we'll probably get banned oh, from wherever titties, you put this. But... Titties, look. <laughs> yeah, we're like court sisters. Yeah, court sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's an apheresis. So it's like um, the oh. one where they do, they can do the in and out. So they've been cleaning my blood with apheresis. I think I've done it three times. Mm -hmm. And okay. so- they're getting all the, you know, the junk out. So they need the two lines to go blood out and blood in, right? Because oh, they're, they're cleaning okay. it in a machine as a, it's like, it's like okay. kidney dialysis, but for your blood. Oh, okay. um, and so I get this pulled out today. Oh, okay. How long have you had it in? 16 weeks. Wow, that's a long this time. four months, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for a while, but uh, my little friend, my jewelry, yeah, you know, and you, you just get used to whipping your stuff out. Because I'm I'm pretty sure now that I can just strip down no problem. Even if they don't ask me to strip down, I'm just like, hey, yeah. I start <laughs> taking your clothes off automatically. You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> when they ask me not to, I'm like, oh, but I already have. Like, I just don't realize it. I'm just so used to it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy what you get like accustomed to? Yeah. Today. It, it's compared today, to what you were accustomed to before. I, it's crazy. Yeah, today I had chemo and radiation in one day. And I was like, mm. so tired. Oh. Every time I have radiation, oh. I, I'm, I'm in a, actually, you won't be able to tell, but I'm in a hospital room right now. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I've, got my, I've got my own private room. And um, the chemo, they do on my bed. So, like, while I'm lying in bed. So, you know, I had my face mask going and I had um, nice. a cold spa chemo. Yeah, it's like spa chemo. <laughs> <laughs> but when oh, I, I did the cold caps, I did the did cold caps too? the whole time. Yeah. You did it the whole time? Yeah. Okay. The and whole time. I would I start mine like an hour before and keep it on for like two hours. After. And I would keep changing them because you know you have to keep it cold. Okay. To me, the cold caps were worse than the chemo, like freezing my brain. <laughs> I know. I had a headache. Girl. Yes. It's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. I was like, uh, this is the hard part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at radiation, I had like yeah. a teaching hospital. So there were like three, you know, um, medical interns like watching me and, and mm -hmm. I'm getting radiated like on like my, my breast area and like, you know, this area too. So I have to just like whip them out and <laughs> I'm just- <laughs> And not care. Yeah. Like, hey. So like, okay, hey, yeah, sure, you know, yeah. And then keep your arms up and then you're just like flashing everybody. Okay, I'm ready. But- <laughs> <laughs> But- your students are- 
yeah. crazy what we go through. So how do you re-nourish yourself after you come out of that? I, I've been drinking this shake. I really like it. Some of it, like there, there's only like one or two things in here I, I, I don't like. And the benefit is way better than the detriment. Uh -huh. um, I'm obviously like you guys know, I was off all sugar doing keto for, oh God, for five months. Like I've done keto forever, it feels like. And so that was really beneficial in starving out the cancer cells because I'm taking kind of a, a more um, integrative alternative approach. Mm -hmm. I wanted to give my body whatever it needed to be able to do its part in the whole process because I, yeah. I felt like that was super important. So I was doing the no sugar strategy, keto definitely was effective for me. And now I'm transitioning into this more um, long-term maintenance program and way of eating, which is uh, vegan and uh, not a lot of fat, not a lot of protein. It's really the opposite of what you would think you should do if you're still fighting cancer, which mine isn't all the way gone, so I'm still yeah. fighting it, um, which is a high starch, high fiber approach. And the reason okay. that the studies that I've read uh, support that is because of the phytonutrients being uh, more protective and more beneficial for your body than the, the sugar that you're getting because it's a, a whole sugar, it's a high... Um, complex carb sugar, not like white sugar poured yeah. into things. It's okay. not the damaging kind, okay. you know, cause that's the main fuel our bodies want to live on anyway. So yeah. then you get the benefit of the strength, right? And my strength is like, I'm working out every day. I'm, I'm, I have so much energy doing it like this as opposed to keto had me a little yeah, tired. I a lot of the time. Keto. Yeah. Yeah. I, think keto I liked it. You don't have the carbs, do you? Um, I'm trying mm -hmm. this like approach. Um, there's a place called Breast Cancer Haven. And they have like nutritionists that work with them and different types of people. It's based in London and throughout the country and in the UK or yeah, in the area. And um, it's more like eating more fruits and vegetables for like half of your plate and then a tiny, tiny amount of carbs, like a tiny bit. And then all these like fats and proteins and things like that. So it's a little bit different than I've eaten before, but it's yeah. supposed to have like, the fennel properties or the fennels. I don't know much about them. I didn't get into the science of it, but um more fennel properties that are supposed to be cancer fighting or what have you, but it's mm -hmm. not like the, the polyphenols. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. yeah. 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 It's not too radical because Ananda, I'm in the, I'm in the menopause. <laughs> and, um, are you, did the chemo send you into menopause? It sent me into menopause. I, I haven't had my period. Okay. We're going to get real. I haven't had my period in eight months. Yeah. You have wow. Yeah. And I no the menopause for me is, um, I started off, I had my, a, a, um, an injection called Zolodex. So that was like fake menopause, chemical menopause, so to speak, mm. you know, high class drugs and all. And mm. um, I was on that for two years with a drug. And then I had my ovaries out um, just to play mm -hmm. it safe, really, because um, I didn't know like genetic wise what my situation was, because obviously with breast cancer, genetics plays can play a big factor, but oftentimes it doesn't really. Yeah. Um, so I had my ovaries out as a precaution. And anyhow, I'm in the menopause. And with the menopause, you can have the flattest tummy you've ever had in your whole entire life, right? Which I've always had, right? No matter how big the hips get, the tummy's always flat. And let me tell you, that's lucky. Yeah, I am working. <laughs> I've got to work, so I've got to do this. I'm doing this new approach actually, where I eat less carbs, lots of vegetables, and things. And hopefully, I'll get back to the nutritionist in a month and tell them how I've got on. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I never thought like because before I before this whole breast cancer thing, I had a baby. She was like. Well, nine months, really. I was doing beach body sort of Shanti workouts. I was like, T25. That was my, that was my jam. I was on it. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I was really on it. I'm telling you, you know, when you lose the baby weight, that's like a big deal, isn't it? And yes. um, got there and then I was fine 
chemotherapy, this and that. And then all of a sudden menopause, the weight came on and there you go. And it's not, I'm not saying this because it's like, you know, superficial or what have you, but you've got to get the weight off in the right places, don't you? Right. Because you don't want it around your tummy because that's when all the, you know, the bad things take place or whatever. Right. That stomach fat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like you, I'm doing the integrative approach. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing, you know, people that, on the forums and stuff, you know, that say, you know, oh, don't do chemo, don't do radiation, it's gonna kill you, it's gonna, these are people most most of the time that don't have cancer or mm-hmm. you know, that don't, and I'm not saying like, you know, like mm. reject it or whatever, but like listen to, you know, you have to find a doctor who you trust and a doctor yeah. who will help you save your life. So for me, like my approach is just like, I'm doing everything, everything in my power, right? So, yeah, you know, if it's, I'm doing the chemo, I'm doing the radiation. Have you asked about like, what do I do to rehydrate myself? So I have this that my, I do acupuncture. I do, so my Mm -hmm. um, Chinese doctor um, made this for me. And it's basically like, it tastes like dirt. (laughs) Not gonna lie. It is dirt. Wait, what's it called? (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's in, um, so it's like, it's called like formula magistralis. So it's, it's in French. They speak French here uh, uh-huh. where I'm from, but it's the, the ingredients are like, um, like, um, mon cortex, lysi cortex, pansia, ginseng, opsipogonis, radix. It's like all these <laughs> Chinese herbs. Yeah. All these Chinese herbs. <laughs> But I, I really do feel like it makes a difference. Like I'm not, because people are like, oh yeah, the chemo is going to like knock you out and it's going to do this, it's going to do that. And yes, I feel that to an extent, but a lot of the times, like I have energy and I have, and you know, like my, my doctor will say like, oh, you're taking this pretty well. And you know, your body's like responding really well and stuff. And I think it's because of like the Reiki and the acupuncture and the reflexology mm-hmm. and the sauna and the, um, like this, all these things, like my, it's a full-time mm-hmm. job. Like I'm full time from Monday. Yeah. Like I'm at appointments, like, you know, after my, like I'll do acupuncture right before my chemo and then go to chemo and then do acupuncture like after, and, you know, I'll do. And I think, I mean, I, I think it's working. I think it's, you know, I'm still here, <laughs> but it's uh, That's one good sign that it's working. How do we know? Well, I'm breathing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the, as far as you can know, really, you know, it's not. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, I did take a setback, but, um, you know, it is what it is. And I'm, you know, here fighting, you know, for my kids and stuff. Like, yeah, I know you have your, your nine-year-old and yeah, it's, yeah. it is what so it what is. What did you think? Inante? It's a trip. What did you think when, um, so obviously you were at a doctor or however you found, whatever you found. And, um, they said, oh, you've got, you've got breast cancer, um, what, what would you, how did you kind of respond to that? I think we've all kind of respond differently, don't we? Or what did you feel? What did you feel? Uh, I was on the phone in my car on the speakerphone with my doctor. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they usually tell you over the phone, but I think, you know, they'll, they, I've heard people say, oh, they emailed me the results of my whatever. And I'm like, they emailed you. Wow. Well, clearly you had good results because they don't email you when yeah. it's something bad to tell yeah. you. They go, right. we need right. you to come in or can you get on the phone? I was like, oh, I got to get on the phone. <laughs> so I went into it. Um, first of all, let me back up because of the biopsy, mm-hmm. the nurses, the doctor and the nurse that were in there doing the biopsy were like, Oh, and then they were whispering to each other and they were kind of off to the side. I was like, oh, something is wrong. <laughs> you know, they can look, they can tell by what they're seeing. Something is wrong. Uh, and so 
in my mind, because my mom had dealt with this probably 13 or 14 years ago now, and I walked through her journey with her, I knew that there was a greater chance for me to have it, even though there's been no genetics found with my mother or any of the people in my family that have fought this. Um, that there's something, you know, and I, I also believe that there's an uh, environmental genetics that isn't talked about or really acknowledged by the medical community because my mother taught me how to process emotions, right? My mother taught me how to eat. My mother taught me how to, all these things that a mother or whoever you're raised by, you know, close proximity, who, who are your mother figures, my grandmother also in this case, they teach you how to exist in the environment. And there are things that happen environmentally that I think impact our health. Um, yeah. in, in major ways that, that you can't find in a blood test, that you won't discover or discover in a genetics test because it's not on that level that it affects you, but there is a level that it affects you on that I call environmental genetics. So, so you're not just all of those totally things. Um, that's safe, um, clear. You're not talking about environmental as in like outside, you know, like the smoke and the smog and the- No, you're like, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. you're talking about the environment you're raising. Uh, exactly. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Right. Because oh, yeah. you'll find families where cancers will run through the family and you'll have no genetic component, but everybody eats the same way. Yeah. They've taught each other how to eat. Everybody yeah. argues and fights the same way. They've mm -hmm. taught each other how to emotionally yeah. interact with the environment. Right. And I believe that these cancers have all these multiple causes, not just one. There's not one thing that happened to me, in my opinion. Yeah. There are a number of things that happened to me. I was definitely exposed to some major toxins in the Porter Ranch gas leak because I lived you know, within close proximity to where that leak was happening. I smelled the gas. I was one of the people that called the gas department in the first couple of days of it, of us being able to smell it before they even acknowledged what was going on. So I know I got exposure to that. I know that I was in a stressful, 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 um, you know, relationship for, for 10 years. And I don't talk about that a lot because I really respect and love my, my, my son's dad and I have no ill will. I'm not going to talk mess about him. I don't do that. And he is one of the major reasons that I'm able to even do all the stuff that I'm doing. And we had a difficult relationship. That's the truth. Right. So, um, the, the, the stress that you allow yourself to remain in, because I take full responsibility for that. I allowed myself to be in a stressful environment and the way that I handle stress, because you can be in a stressful environment and not have it impact your body. I know people right. who live with stress way bigger than mine and they're not sick, right? But the way that I handle stress, again, back to how my mom taught me to handle stress, how stress was handled in my environment, the way I handle it was very hurtful for my body. I internalize it, I um, dwell on it, I, I kind of suffer in it and, and you know, wallow in it. And that's an unhealthy way to handle stress. Yeah. So my body was saturated with a lot of stress for a lot from a lot of environmental uh, reasons as well. And then the food component that we're talking about now on a positive end, but I was a sugar junkie mm. most of my life. Mm. And, and being, you know, an American, our sad standard American diet is pathetic. It's the worst way that you can eat in a human body. And it's the way that we're just accepting, you know, nonstop all day long. I can't go down the street without seeing a McDonald's and a Burger King and a Jack and Box and a Taco Bell all in a four you know, yeah. corner radius. And so what you have access to becomes what you choose. And yeah, we can talk about how your mental fortitude and your, your discipline and all of that, and you should be able to resist. The truth is most people can't. The truth is that I didn't, you know, I was an emotional eater and I would go to sugar when I was unhappy. I was unhappy a lot of the time. So I ate a lot of sugar. So all of these components and elements that go into cancer, being able to take hold in your body, as we know, we all have 
cancer cells in our body, cells that could at some point decide to mutate, go rogue, not die, develop a cancer as a result of that process. Everybody in a human body is dealing with that. Yeah. And yeah. how you choose to do things can determine whether or not you trigger those cancers. So um, I wasn't surprised that I got the news from my doctor. I, I, you know, again, my mom went through it, a couple more people in my family. So I felt like, okay, this could happen to me. And even though I felt like that, I wasn't doing mammograms because I, I definitely believed in and still believe that the radiation exposure you get can give you problems. Now, mm. I was looking at it wrong. Uh, which is part of what I wanted to share in that original post when I talked about what was going on. And had I not really wanted women to understand that big mistake that I made, I probably still would be just fighting this in silence because I'm a very private person. I, I there's no, like what benefit is there to tell a bunch of people, oh, what's going on with my body? Yeah, for what, what are they gonna do? I really wanted other women to, to know and to understand why they needed to make a different choice. You know, if I, if I can serve any purpose, and it can be through sharing mistakes. I wanna do that because we're human and we're gonna make mistakes. Now, do other people have to make the same mistakes? No, because if you're able to be honest and open, then you can say, here's what I did wrong. Like, don't do it. We do it for our girlfriends with relationships, right? We say, girl, don't stay with that fool. Like, he's gonna do this. I already know who did this is so-and-so, you know? I heard about that fool before. So we help each other out in those ways. Like, let's help each other out in ways that are bigger and, and serve a, a bigger and, and better purpose in our lives. And, and what is more important than our health, right? Yeah. We can't do any of the stuff. We can't even be in those bad relationships if we're not here. And so yeah. that's the then, reason so I then did like, it. At what stage then did you start asking for help? Because, you know, like, and how did that make you feel once you realized, okay, you know what? Like, I can't keep this to myself. Okay, I mean, I know it's because you wanted to send the message out to people, but at what stage, you know, Carly and I always talk about how, you know, like you have to develop like a tribe and a team and, you know, it takes, you can't do this on your own. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why we also started the podcast too, was to like reach out. First of all, it was therapeutic for me anyway, and like to reach <laughs> out and for God to, to reach out to, you know, to people. Like, I'm not alone. <laughs> so many well, people I think are dealing with this. Yeah. Yeah. Angie's saying Millions. is, um, Angie and I are the exact opposite. So she's more open and I just like kept it all in, I guess you could say. And I just actually told my mom the other day what type of breast cancer I actually had. And it's four years later. She just didn't know the specifics or what have you, but I was wow. telling her Angie, but my mom didn't know because that's just how I kept it myself. And, and I did that as like a defense mechanism in my family. Mm -hmm. my aunt had colon cancer. She died when she was 38. She lived in my family. Wow. I, saw the, I saw the whole chemo thing. I've been there. I've done that. And it scared me and I didn't want to scare my family. So I just kind of like kept it in. Cause I mean, I live in London, I live in New York, <laughs> you know, they yeah. don't see me, they don't know what's going like, on. You don't need to know. <laughs> well, they need I'm to not know. right there in front of you. Yeah, yeah, but not enough to scare them. I don't want to scare them, yeah. you know? I think that was part of what it was for me. It was yeah. it was mm. scary for other people. And because of how I knew I was going to choose to handle it, having mm. seen what my mom went through, having tried to help my other family members with the alternative information, I, I'm a naturalist. I just believe that there's so much our bodies can do. And before I go extreme, I'm going to go natural, right? If I have to get to extreme, we can do that too. But I'm going to start at the least toxic, least harmful and build up, right? So yeah, I, I knew that I was going to face resistance. And I'm not someone who likes a lot of drama and stress and arguing. I, listen, I can do it really well if I have to. <laughs> I will go, listen, you don't want to fight with me. You don't want to argue with me. You need to. <laughs> right. But I like to avoid it. Like I'm, I'm that, 
I'm gonna avoid it as long as I can and I'm gonna tap you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no, no, no. I actually so, read about you and your teachers when you were younger. You would stand up and say something at school. <laughs> oh, I, I hated me for that. I was the worst <laughs> because of that. But that same characteristic served me very well in life. I think it was right. one of the reasons I did so well on TV. I talk a lot, I can, you know. Yeah. So, but but I didn't want to fight that fight because as you both know, for me, when this when she said the words, yes, we found cancerous cells in your breast. My reaction to answer your question from long ago, I get on tangents, but that's why your podcast is lovely. We can go anywhere. Um, I, I didn't feel scared. I felt like I went, wow. All the thoughts I had about, oh, I might have to deal with this. Like I was right. I felt like proactive and I felt, I felt like I was thrown into a path of uh, a fight, which I mean, obviously it is. I felt like I'm about to fight the hardest I've ever fight, uh, fought fight to stay life. in this body. Yep. Kirk Franklin. The has your, it's um, literally the fight of your life. Yeah. Kirk Franklin has an album called The yeah, Fight of My Life um, mm. before that. And I play that heavy on rotation. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Music has been so important for me on this too. I want to hear some of the songs you guys listen to um, as well. I have dance parties every morning. Yeah. yeah. I just came from a, you'll never get this, but I went to a Christmas carol event and it was outside like a drive-in thing. So they had, so they were singing Christmas carols on a lorry or as a, I guess it would be. A truck, for- we say truck. Americans truck. say truck, Carly, not lorry. <laughs> we say what? We say truck. We British people say lorry for trucks. Truck. I say lorry for, for like truck? a Yeah, for yeah, a truck, like a big- for, a, for a van, a no, truck. Like a pickup they- truck. Yeah, yeah, they say yeah. lorry, lorry. Lorry. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Interesting. Definitely, I think music is, um, I mean, something that's definitely played a big role in, in my cancer journey. So mm-hmm. I am rocking out to my, and I still do today, actually. I was walking away my power walk in the morning, ran into a friend. I had my MP3 player. She's like, Carly, what is that? I go, it's my MP3 player <laughs> with, my, <laughs> with my marathon music, my marathon training music back from 2001. <laughs> She's like, what? oh my God. She was like, well, I was like, yes. And um, anyway, so music for me has been very important and it always has because I think in song, which I think, yeah, you, you'll just kind of get to know that as you get to know me. Yeah. And for me, when I, sh- I had my head shaved, so I had my hair shaving crew with me, started off with some lovely Emily, Emily Sanday music, like, you know, read all about it, all this lovely stuff. Don't get me wrong. I love Emily Sanday. She's great. She's absolutely yeah. wonderful. But as the tears started rolling down, it was all back to the Wu-Tang Clan. Because that is what I was about to do. I was about to bring the ruckus. In my, I love it. And I've got the bracelet to show it. My cousin got me a bracelet that said, bring the ruckus. And for me, in the 90s, like, I must have been in, like, ninth, 10th grade, something like that. Wu-Tang Clan was my thing, really. Oh, yeah. And we love them. You know, those are, like, yeah. the old. Right. Mary We're Jay stuck Bosch. in the 90s, me and Carly. Like, that's the best era. Why yeah. not? <laughs> you used to like, you know, VJ too. Like, you're, you're 2000, yeah. 90s. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was tossing all those videos. Yeah. But so, what I do you have on your playlist? Yeah. Who's on your playlist? Yeah. Oh, God. Who's, so, speaking of the 90s, one of my favorite albums that, that came out in October, mm-hmm. um, Buster Rhymes put out ELE2. I remember interviewing him about ELE1. Oh, and uh, yeah, uh, that album, oh my God, like, I don't even know how he did it, but he brought back some classic, you know, you can barely play in front of the kids because he's cussing all the time. So my son can't listen to the album with me, but um, the songs are just so 
they amp me up. Like you're talking about Wu-Tang Carly, like the, yeah. the amp up is really necessary yeah. sometimes. And, and I stay away from those sentimental songs too, because there's enough shit to cry about that I don't need music to make me cry. I want music to make me feel happy, feel like warrior, feel strong. You know, I want to feel something elevated that I can pull from on these days I have to push through. And this, this, this album, this Wrath of God, this Extinction oh, Level event, Okay. Girl, this album is crazy. And the extended version has this Eminem song at the end. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, and I really, what? really love that album. So I play it a lot. But also, I play old school stuff like DeBarge. Okay, yeah. Because okay, yeah. okay. I love them. Yeah. And I'm part of a group called the, the Jam Nation. And we have a couple of songs that we oh, just, yeah. in our you in our own file. Yeah. Do you okay. think about... Or do you play? Four years ago, I discovered, yeah, a little voice, a little, but not like, not like sing like, so, so we just get together and do live jams. And well, before we got locked down from Corona. Yeah, we get together and do live jams and, and just songs just start coming out. And there've been some really beautiful songs that just whole songs made up as we go. You know, you can check my Instagram page. You'll see some of them down. There's like five or six on there that I really love. Like I love those enough to post them, but that's been really freeing. You know, it, as much as it's um, really energizing for me to sing other people's music, finding the music in yourself. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That has been, I, that has so been crazy. Me. The other day, my cousin Jenny and I, so Jenny, she did a, she is in the podcast episode before yours and she's a licensed um, mental health and like family therapist. Oh, nice. If you have a chance, listen to that um, that podcast report because it talks about like talking about cancer to your kids and how to deal with that, oh, nice. and how to not gaslight yeah. them and everything. Anyway, she's yeah. like an amazing singer, and we started singing affirmations and like we wrote, <laughs> but like 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 with an R and B hip hop kind of style, so it's not so like yeah. <laughs> Like, hey, Great. we got something going on here. This could be, you know, like. I love it. But yeah, I know but what you mean. That's how music starts. I mean, all the songs yeah, you yeah. love started, the, you know, poems or Billy Joel. I kept hearing the story about Billy Joel. He's um, uh, he was doing what? What's his most famous song? I'm probably going to continue Man? this story up because I'm not good at stories. Yeah. Piano Man. No. Uh, what's the, the, the Lady Diana. Oh, my life. Oh, my, my life. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, okay, okay. yeah. That one. He started singing my life, like the lyrics. He, he got the melody and he was like, hamburgers and strawberries and peanut butter jelly, like random crazy words because he loved the melody but didn't know yeah. what he wanted to yeah. say yet. And he laid that down as a track and like went back and listened to it and then chose words and then found a story to tell. But music just come when you talk to people, which, you know, I did for years talking to musicians. Yeah. Um, when you talk to them about how music comes through them, most of them have said to me that it is like being connected directly to source and downloading something that they feel like a vessel. And so it's coming from somewhere else, even in their opinion. And, and even though it comes through them and they kind of mold and shape it, that original free form of the musical expression is a direct download from God, from universe, from source, whatever name we give it, right? From our creator. Yeah. And it is our birthright. We all, I think, have that connection. It's just that we get it. Other people say, oh, you can't sing. That happened to me. I was told in elementary school by some girl who I thought was really cool, you can't sing, your voice is whack. Like, and then I stopped, I just was like, oh my God, my voice is whack. Like you internalize and you repeat yeah. what they say. They're stupid. Yeah. You know? like, no. What? We get thrown off of it, but I think it's it's the original music. Babies are singing, you yeah. know, they're singing. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think with the, with the coronavirus, that is the hardest thing. And this morning, actually, when I was out on my walk, I told myself, I am not going to stop singing when somebody walks by. What I'm going to do <gasps> is I'm going to pivot to the right, pivot to the left, <laughs> get out of their way. And if I have to the road in, in sort of incoming traffic, then yes. I will do that because I'm not going to get the little particles on them. So I'm not going to break the rules or not, though, or Andy. <laughs> right. I'm not going to do that. But I'm not going to break up my song <laughs> just because they're walking by. You talking about Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. But You're I was like, like, why is she cussing at me? <laughs> no, I was like, so today I was like turning my back on people because I was still singing my song, you know. But um, I think my my dream is actually um, I don't know if you know the song by Mary J. Blige, M M J. Wait, MG, the MVP MJB song. It's, it's a remake of the game and um, Fifty Cent. She uses all her song oh. titles from her songs, and she makes a song out of it. And I'm telling Angie, I was like, we've got to do that with our podcast. All the podcast titles, we need to do a song like that. But with her beat, though. But obviously, I need her on the record. But you That's know. brilliant. You have to do it. It's so yeah. much fun, too. Like, as long as you're having yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. And you, say, and, and you forget about things, you know? Like, when you're, when you're in the flow, when, when you're singing and when you're creating, and you just, like, you're in that zone. And, yeah, like you said, you know, sources, like, using you as a vessel, you, you forget about all your problems and all this stuff. And you do. Yeah. And you don't even know what you're saying. Like if you go back and watch when I see those songs again, and some of them have become some of my favorite songs. They're not like full songs or like pieces, right? Whatever we came up with. But I go, it, I remember how that felt. So hearing all these musicians, you know, say all that, I finally got to experience that myself. And prior to that, I was like master karaoke singer, like loved my karaoke. Um, <laughs> And probably got more confident, you know, with, with a voice during karaoke and imitating like Alanis and, mm -hmm. and um, uh, Amy Winehouse and all these great people yeah. I love. But, yeah. but finding my own voice was really amazing. And then feeling that connection. It's very real. It's yeah. absolutely real. And it happens. And then you go, oh my God, I don't even know what I just did. And you're doing it live. And if we didn't record it, I wouldn't remember what I said or what the melody was because yeah. it's gone once it comes out. Once it's out. You know, exactly. And you have to catch it. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm hearing is music definitely brings us joy, doesn't it? It makes us. Sort yeah. Of, I'm thinking universal language. Um, when when the pandemic that? is over, we got to do a karaoke session together. <laughs> yeah. Well, Wait, so you're in Geneva and you're in London? Yeah. 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 And, yeah. Okay. We've got somewhere in the middle. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I have, um, so obviously with the whole breast cancer thing, right? So it's all, yes. it's all fatigue, isn't it? It's like, you know, when I, so before, you know, before I got breast cancer, I used to do charity races, lots of running, that sort of a thing. I was all on the pink side, right? And I was like, oh, pink and fluffy, you know, I'm raising this money, doing these great things, etc. And obviously I crossed over to the other side. So my question is, do you think, as obviously in the media and what have you, you know, breast cancer is portrayed as being sort of pink and fluffy and just yeah. this cancer that you can get or what have you. What are your thoughts on like the, the color of it, I guess you could say? When, now that you're on the other side with the breast cancer. It's a, well, I mean, yeah, it's a tricky I, one. I definitely know what you mean by that. I, as a, I'm a carpenter. I got my carpentry degree in 2010 from Trade Tech in LA. I love building and everything. And I saw this whole movement of like women in construction and carpentry. And all of a sudden everybody had like pink hard hats. And I was yeah. like, get the fuck out of here with your pink hard hat. Like, what are you doing? Why does everything have to be pink? And why do we have to make things girly? It's like buying into yeah. this gender bias thing, but on the opposite side, like neutral means it doesn't have to be my color or your color. Why do we even have to have a color? So I got into that whole thing and I was like, wait, 
why can't I just accept that other people like that? Even if I don't like it, even if it doesn't work for me, like where is my openness to allowing other people to be themselves? Like I expect people to allow me to be myself, right? So I had to sit with myself on that. Like I was real adamant about it. Like, don't send me a pink hard hat, you know? I'm not wearing no pink hard hat. And I was like, but why not? Like, is the pink hard hat gonna hurt me? <laughs> you know? So I feel like that a little bit about the breast cancer colors too. My personal color, for mm. what I'm going through, uh, it tends to fall in like the yellowy, um, orangey, greeny kind of bright because sunshine yeah. is what I love. You know, mm. I need bright, radiating, golden light of healing. And my mind, my visuals that I do in my meditations and stuff, everything is bright and yellow and and bold in that frame, right? But that doesn't mean that works for someone else. It doesn't have to. It only has to work for me. Yeah. And so vice versa. Like I can now get into the idea of the, I don't even know where the pink came from. I like, know the origins of the pink, but yeah. I think it's, you know, it's a little Pepto-Bismol-y to me. So I get a little stomach upset when I see it too much because it's psychosomatic. But other than that, you know, yeah. I'm fine with accepting it now because I'm like, well, hmm. I, if other people, if this is what works for them, then mm -hmm. I should be able to accommodate yeah. whatever works for people right and if, if I can't accommodate that that's on me that's on so you. I've yeah. had to work through it because I definitely felt like that I was like oh my god the peak I think it's because people yeah. like tend to like not take it so seriously I guess you know when it's like all mm, they minimize it with the pink yeah mm -hmm. and it's like yeah they minimize it's just like no it's not you know you, you're getting this wrong you don't you know like it's not you beating cancer, you know, this isn't like some kind of like fight death to the match where like, you know, you, when you die, you lose, we're all going to die. <laughs> so in that case, right. we're all going to lose. If that's how you look at it. But it's right. no, not this like, is just oh. what I'm dealing with in my body right now. And it's such a process. It's such a process of, you know, what, what you've probably experienced. It's like waxing and waning right now. I've done 16 weeks in Arizona at a particular place where I've done this integrative approach, 16 weeks away from my baby. Actually, I drove home for Thanksgiving. So, I mean, yeah, 16 weeks away from living with him and I saw him for two days. So, yeah. but it, that has been grueling. Like the hardest part has been being away from my child. And yet yeah. when I got here in August, I could never have imagined that I could do 16 weeks. And now here I am at the end of 16 weeks and I get to go home Sunday. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, I'm in this kind of ramping, you know, like winding down process now. And it's just, it's incredulous. I'm like, I can't even believe I did 16 weeks. But that me leaving here, I say all that to say that me leaving here does not mean the cancer my body has, you know, created is gone. It means that I've beat it back down to the point where I'm in normal ranges. And now I have to live like everybody else on the planet should be living, which is in full awareness that cancer could develop in my body. Mm -hmm. right? Could mm -hmm. still come back. I have a greater propensity because I've already dealt with it. I'm clear on that. The tumor, I got this cryoablation. So now my breast is huge, but it'll go back down. The first cryoablation really worked well. It came back down almost to a normal size. And so yeah. it's this process of balancing, right? It's this process of waxing and waning. It's like everything in nature, it, it ebbs and it flows. And so I don't expect to ever have like cancer be totally gone from my body. I think that would be a dangerous thought for me because I would let my guard down again. Right. And this sucker can flare back up. Like you have to be diligent. You have to be consistent and disciplined about how you treat your body. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately it took a wake up call like this for me to get very serious about that. But I should have been doing a lot of the things that I'm doing 
mm-hmm. for years, mm-hmm. right? In, in care of my body and in um, appreciation of this magically intelligent machine I get to live in and what it needs. And for many people, it takes a scare to get you to act right, you know, to get you to treat it right. Um, but I, I don't ever expect to just be like done with cancer. I feel like this is going to be a journey that I'm on with one foot or the other for, you know, the rest of my life, which I plan to be a very long time. But like you said, Angie, um, this has never been to me about avoiding death. You can't avoid death. You're going to die. Like you right. come in these bodies, you leave these bodies, right? Mm-hmm. What we can do is extend our lives for as long as we possibly can, because we have a huge amount of control over that and enjoy them as much as we can in the time that we have. And that is what I plan to do. And I think for me, part of doing that is sharing with other women, like what you guys are doing, what to do, what not, or not what they should do, but what I've done, what, what I didn't want to do. Why, you know, yeah. the information needs to be expanded because when you, when you enter this journey, this breast cancer, whatever kind of cancer, you're given this very narrow scope of like what's possible right and i entered that very narrow scope i got sat down and told by the oncologist in la best in the country or best in the city anyway you know this is what we need to do this is why this is the chemo we're going to use this is why we don't do any other chemos we're not going to test you for genetic like all this stuff they told me what they could do and it was very you know if i was the person who uh gave in to fear i would have been terrified right but i looked at him like all he can tell me is what he knows what he can do. He's one doctor. Mm-hmm. I don't care if he's the best doctor. He's one, mm-hmm. right? And there's so many other doctors. There's so many other things. There's so I am the one who has to determine for myself what I am going to choose to live with and how I want to live, mm-hmm. period. Yeah, yeah. And you know what, actually, I think when oftentimes when they talk about the fight in cancer, I think that's where the fight comes from. Speaking up with your, you know, to your doctors, us younger patients, they get annoyed with us, yeah. don't they? Oh, they hate us. <laughs> You'd be asking <laughs> questions. They're just like, no, just do what I say. And that's it. Just do what I say. <laughs> right. I, you I can, can go back and ask my mama. I don't ever do just what anybody <laughs> says. Like, that's not what I'm going to do. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what to say. <laughs> and it's almost like people that aren't, because obviously you, when you're diagnosed with cancer, it's like this big shock, these feelings come in and you want to trust your doctors. You want to listen to them. But then, like you said, you realize there are other doctors, you know, other opinions and so on and so forth. And we both had situations with that, Angie, haven't we? Yeah. And um, I sometimes feel like my biggest fight, so I don't see cancer as a fight. The actual cancer itself is not a fight. It's the admin and all the stuff that you deal with around the cancer. Yeah. That's the fight. You're right. And I think, and the biggest thing that I've taken from this really is advocating for myself and my health. And a lot of that, and it's not just about me, it's about my family too. I'm advocating for my family. You know, we're part of this whole cancer journey together, really. Right. um, It really is, you know, it is an experience where you kind of have to take it and you kind of learn as you go, I guess. And Angie's got loads of stories where she's had to, you know, say all sorts of things. (laughs) I've changed into a totally different person. Before I used to be like very acquiescent yes you know doctors always right but this journey I mean I was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer as a non-smoker at 37. Wow and I'm just like how? So yours was lung yeah and and Carly yours was breast um Angie was yours metastasized to lung or it was lung cancer? It was metastasized metastasized to my brain to my bones to my neck now like wow like it it's it's spreading mm-hmm. and you know it's like you said you know I was really interested in this like environmental thing you were talking about because there's a lot now with lung cancer of younger women 
non-smoking, yeah. healthy, fit, yoga instructors, marathon runners being yeah. diagnosed with this lung cancer. But it's but it has a mutation. It has a driver. So you know we mm. buy chemo pills that work until they don't work, and then that's my case. Because it, it changes again. Yeah, yeah. It changes. And then there's no other targeted medication you can take, and so that's why I'm doing the chemo and the radiation. But like you know, I've learned to trust my body. Like on three occasions, I've found lumps myself before the machines, the scans have found them, and then they go back and they do the scan. They're like, oh yeah. Actually, yeah, we do see You're it. You're like, oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's, just... it's... anyway, I think um, if we get cut off, sorry. <laughs> no, I thought Zoom lets you go forever now. <laughs> I thought they removed the time uh, restriction because of COVID. Be. Because, uh, yeah, I see that we've been talking now. What time is it? Is it? one seventeen my time so my it's nine seven my time 45 minutes okay so then they didn't cut it off they didn't cut us off not just back yeah. in if it cuts off but um yeah so lung cancer you were saying it just sort of um more younger women are getting it and what have you yeah. and obviously you found lots of different lumps that you've had before the technology has and how does that make you feel angie finding the lumps before the well it makes me uh, trusting my instincts you know i'm all into um Ananda, I, I, I heard that like you were into Dr. Joe Dispenza, so am I. Yes, <laughs> love him. And I do, you know, like walking meditations and, um, you know, like just being in tune with your body because really yes. it's taught like at such a young age to just like not trust our bodies or just, you know, like let other people handle it. But we know our bodies yeah. best and we yeah. do. So I'm just like, I'm and turning over responsibility for them because either way, the consequences are yours, right? Mm -hmm. So you can do exactly what the doctors tell you. And what if that goes left? Your body is still the one that has to go through all the fallout. Mm -hmm. And, and the doctors say, don't have to live through any of that. Exactly. And <laughs> they'll know? just say that it was a consequence of a chemo or the, you know, it's just, yeah. So, right. Actually, and when you look at what happens in some of these studies, I get really suspicious. Like, what, how, hmm. Hmm. you're putting DCIS breast cancers with these triple negatives, and then you give everybody chemo and you say, look, we cured all these cancers. Well, how many of those didn't need chemo to begin with? And then, of course, if you do chemo, it's going to work because you're killing everything. So, yeah, it's going to work. Uh, and, and then you're, using that to say oh look are the way we do this works I, when you break it down for yourself and you really get into looking at the studies and looking at the research and and conversely looking at the studies and research research on the alternative ways and i don't just mean like taking a bunch of supplements i mean like high dose vitamin c ivs mm -hmm. hyperbarics like things that are you know borderline medical really it's yeah. like just not right. conventional right but everything that is outside of conventional there's a lot outside conventional that's way more than just supplements what i've done for 16 weeks I had this cryoablation twice. They did an angiogram embolism through my arteries, found the blood vessels that the cancer was feeding itself with, severed them and embolized them to cut the blood supply to the cancer tumor off. I mean, they've done, it's like being in freaking Star Trek. There's so much more that you can do, right? And I've had uh, quercetin and methylene blue and uh, artemisinin. I mean, I have so many IVs. I'd have like seven IVs a day on my long day, my eight and a half hour day, which was Tuesdays. I'd have seven bags and then shots of pro and K immune boosting uh, killer cell shots. And then I'd have vitamin D pushes. Like all these different things are 
are things that have been shown to work on some level. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know about where you guys live, but here in the States, like the FDA and what they allow you to use stuff for, it's such bull, like <laughs> it's unbelievable what they limit. And coming to Arizona was necessary for me because it's one of the only states in the United States where they're, they're kind of like the wild, wild west. They can do pretty much whatever they want to do. An integrative doctor can take this and that and that and this. And I've heard of, you know, veterinarian medicine being used on them. I mean, they can do whatever they want. Yes, they because that, that dog pill to um, the dewormer. The yeah. De yeah. <laughs> Well, you guys have something available there now for veterinary medicine that we're just about to get. It's called Stelfanta. I am, listen, I'm, I'm doing major bets on Stelfanta because what it's shown to do with all kinds of cancers, brain, lung, liver, breast, all kinds of cancers um, on their human tests so far is in like 48 hours, it dissolves the tumors, gone completely. No thresholds. There's no toxic tolerance in your body. You can't OD on it. And it is... Um, the extract of the blushwood berry uh, tree in, in Australia. So this Australian company is the one that's patented it and is you know extracting it and doing all this. But it is showing such amazing results in dog solid mass tumors. They stay on the packaging because they have to do all this legal stuff like oh not for metastasized yeah. But in the studies they injected a. I think it was a breast tumor. Anyway, they injected a tumor and it went and got the metastasizes too. Oh. I mean, so it's doing things that they can't necessarily say because then they have that whole legal thing, but that's what you have to get under. Like that whole legal thing is really prohibitive to you accessing what you want to do for your body. Mm -hmm. And I should have access to whatever I want to try. I'll sign whatever disclaimer, you know, legal uh, waiver, I'll sign whatever, uh, you need me to sign to make you feel comfortable. I'm not going to come back and sue you. Like I'm taking full responsibility for trying it, but let me try what I want to try. This is my body and my life. Yeah. Who should be able to stand in the way of that? Yeah, I'm gonna ask, it's unbelievable. I'm going to ask you a difficult question now, Ananda. You might hate me for this. I don't know. Hopefully not. <laughs> um, but obviously in the, U in the UK, um, you know, we can use the NHS health insurance for the national health and service, mm. health and service which is like, you know, you can get your medical medical care, not for free, but you pay in your taxes. So it's like a higher tax rate here. Um, ah, so I've got, I've, I've got private insurance. Angie has private insurance. Um, what would you say for the average American, so to speak, that is in sort of different circumstances, um, possibly to ourselves in regards to getting the best access to those sort of things? So it is a pressing question, I think. <laughs> So what would I say to Americans to get access to the alternative side of stuff? Yeah. yeah. I, I've always heard of like people having fundraisers, they get cancer, they're well, like, funny. House, yeah. fundraisers and they do all these yeah. sort of things. And it, it breaks my heart when I hear about these families having to throw barbecue chicken dinners and all these, you know, all these fundraisers to raise money. Yeah. The treatment and stuff. And they totally just, I mean, they could lose their homes and things over that. So what would you, um, what would you say to the average American that doesn't have the access um, to say something? Well, you know, the insurance will cover in some cases your yeah. standard care, but I've even heard of instances like you're talking about having to have bake sales, having to have, you know, chicken dinner sales for people who are doing standard, you know, conventional care, but their insurance doesn't cover a hundred percent. So like my insurance would cover 80% of whatever I wanted to do within what they will 
what they condone, right? And because I went outside of what they condone, they don't cover anything. They wouldn't cover my port. They wouldn't cover my PET scans. Things they would cover normally if I was doing it their way. PET scans are still a part of it. A port would still be a part of it. An MRI would still be a part of it. They won't touch it. And I say we need to either, uh, I don't know. I think that insurance companies, it's shameful that you're taking my money all year long. But when it comes to me needing that service, you get to pick and choose. Mm-hmm. And you get to tell me what I can do and not do. I think we need an overhaul of the whole insurance and healthcare system in this country. I think that's a long way off. But yeah. in the meanwhile, um, some people aren't even getting conventional covered, right? And so they're having to fill those gaps. If it's like me, 80-20, like they're still having 20% of $150,000 is still a lot of money. For my right? so, pill that I take uh, monthly in the States costs $17,500 a month. And I have to take this for the rest of my life. And so even wow. paying 20, 10% of that, that's still like yeah. rent. So a lot. Yeah, yeah, I'm on two pills. One is uh, 22,000 and one is 32,000 a month. I completely understand you. Here we have organizations you can go through and, and they'll you know talk to you and see what your financial situation is or just talk about whatever they need to know for their stuff. And they'll cover that. So. Um, one of them, he ended up saying, okay, we well, haven't gotten it yet. You don't need to get it. Cause they kind of do the same thing. They're pathway inhibitors. They're not, they're not chemos, but they're pathway inhibitors. Yeah. And so, but the, the Linvima is like $22,000 a month. Thank yeah. God they're covering it. I pay like a fraction of that, but yeah. I don't know what people do. I would say that people need to really look at the resources in nonprofits because there are a lot of really good nonprofits out there that are trying to help in that way. But to me, what doesn't make sense is that there's people like um, who I just read about yesterday, Mackenzie Scott, I guess she's uh, Jeff Bezos's ex-wife who just became a billionaire with their their monumental divorce. (laughs) Right, right. So she gave away $6 billion in in like donations. Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And after I picked my mouth up off the ground, I was like, six, do you know how much? Six billion dollars? Like, give me one of those billions. I will, every woman who wants to come do the work that I've done could be here. So I think yeah. it's about using the money creatively. Like yeah. that money gets put in places where I don't know how much good it's doing. I don't know where she gave it, but I know that if I had six billion dollars, we could solve a lot of problems because yeah. Yeah. You have to have people with their hearts in the right place in charge of that money to make that money really work, right? So when I get out of here and I have all this private content, I would love to be able to share somehow, probably do it through a subscription service so people can kind of watch every moment of this that I've recorded everything. So I mean, I have my biopsy and everything on tape. So wow. recording it all and sharing it so that I can raise money so that I can buy it like this. You know, you talk about the sauna, my sauna and my my rebounder. That sauna is like $1,600. It's an amazing piece of equipment, but not everybody can afford that. There's about 15 women that I've been in direct contact with since by, you know, sharing everything that was going on with me. And they're like, well, what are you doing? Well, how are you, you know, all this information we're sharing. They can't afford to buy a $1,600 sauna. That's rent. Yeah, you know what I mean, that's who yeah. these are like single moms and women who are supporting people like they can't splurge on that. But that's not a splurge. That's for your life. Yeah, that's yeah. for your detox, you know. And so if they could do that every day in their homes and I can provide that, that's what I'm going to be doing going forward. So maybe the answer is really just and what I would say to Americans is. One, we have to change our healthcare system. We're the ones paying for it. We have to recognize how much control and power our dollar has. But. 
Cracking Cancer Chit Chat is where we are at, folks. Keeping it real and letting you in on how we really feel. It ain't easy for us, and we hope you never join our cancer team. Know what we mean? But if you or yours do, we're here for you. So check yourself and be the best version of you. It's all all you you can can do. do. Bye, Angie. That that wasn't too bad, actually.